Hey everybody, it's your girl Yada Rose. And let me tell you, today we are going to get into this conversation. I know this conversation may make some people uncomfortable. It may bring flashbacks, cause you to be emotional. But let me tell you something, sis. We're going to get through this together. Um, Before I jump into our topic, my name is Yada Rose. I'm from Chicago, Illinois. I'm an author, a writer, a publisher, an entrepreneur, and so much more. And I created this podcast so that we can be able to talk freely because nowadays in this time, um, in this new age, people are so sensitive. You can't say certain things. Everything has a censor on it. But right here, we keep it respectful, but ain't no censors on anything. We express how we feel. We get down to the nitty gritty and we talk, baby, and we have conversation, respectful conversation where all opinions are welcome. No matter if it's different from the other, all is welcome. Today, our topic is the silence of a black girl. And I know when you think of that, you might think of, hmm, silence of a black girl. For most people, they think of rape and molestation, and you're absolutely correct. Silence of a black girl is basically the situations that us black women, us black girls face every day that goes ignored, not just in our community, but all communities, such as rape, molestation, emotional, physical, mental abuse, and all those other things. And today, we just want to touch basis on these issues that we face in the black community and outside the black community as black women that are um, slept on. And we definitely want to continue to just shed light on these situations that people try to dim because it's time that we speak up. It's time that we have a voice. It's time. It's time to talk about these things and stop ignoring them because they are serious and they need to come to the light. And so that other women and other young women can be saved and can get the help that they need. So, I hope you guys are ready. So, the silence of a black girl. Growing up, there was many things that happened to me as a child that was swept under the rug. There was things that I couldn't speak on because I seen, not in my household, but other households that I seen people, you know, get in trouble for speaking on these things or even trying to bring them to the light. And even now at, I'm not going to tell you my age. See, y'all almost had me slip up until my age. (laughs) So even at, in my twenties now, I still see certain things happening and things are being swept and people just like, it don't even matter. It is what it is. And being a black woman, it's already hard being a black woman. It's already hard being a black woman of the LGBTQ community. It's like, I'm facing double of everything. Um, Growing up, I watched women in my life and people I was hanging around become mentally abused. They were physically abused, emotionally abused, and people just walked past them and ignored it every time. Nobody helped these women. Nobody comforted these women. But the first thing they offered to do was to down talk these women, bad mouth them, and put them down. And I'm just looking at them like they already going through enough, and you just beating them down more with your words. Not And I've seen black women, other black women, beat these women down, talk about them, or she should have did this, or she should have did that. But... When I got older, I realized a lot of these girls that I seen going through that, they didn't have the um, proper guidance. They didn't have anybody in their life to show them how to handle these situations or to have their back. 
Um, even in their own households, people was beating them down for doing this and doing that, but nobody seriously took the time out to say, Hey, let's sit down, let's have a conversation so we can see why they choose to go down the road that they went down. So, uh, and, and and that's, that's very common. That's very common in, um, households even today. Like people ignore signs. People just call you crazy or they say what you should have done and they talk bad on you. As for me, as a black girl, I was silenced. I recently, and I, and I don't have a problem with sharing this with you guys, because let me tell you something about talking. So we're going to talk our talk. We're going to say what we feel. We're going to get down to it. And look, it ain't about nobody else. We're here to express ourselves. We're here to talk about some things and release it. We're going to release these things today. Because young man, young lady, woman, man, gentleman, whoever, you're going to release that today. We're not holding that stuff in no longer. We're not holding no things in any longer. So, to share my story. And always feel, y'all can feel free to email me. Um, we can talk about this. Look, I'm all ears. I'm here to help anybody. So, I'm going to share my silence. Um, I have a couple issues that were silenced. Um by family, friends, and people just around me. Um, growing up, I was molested for four years. From the time I was eight, I mean, seven years old, until I was about 11. I say about 11. And um, for years, for years and years, people called me crazy. Not because I told them, but I was acting out. I was acting out because I was hurt. Um, during that time period, um my biological parents because I was adopted at two weeks old so my um my biological parents were in and out of my life my foster parents they were there but they wasn't there and it was certain things even in my household I was being bullied Uh, in school I was being bullied and then after I finished getting bullied at school I was coming home basically to be molested um and I was in a situation where at nine, ten years old, I didn't want to live. And I continued to act out. I was trying to tell people and get them, show them signs, but I didn't know how to be direct. I didn't know how to go and say, hey, um, this happened to me. This is what's going on. Because I hadn't come from a household where we had, you know, my parents didn't create that space where we could talk to them. Um it was basically dysfunctional and I'm not saying my parents are bad parents because I don't believe they are bad people. I think it's more so how they were raised and they took how they was raised and kind of use it to how they raised me and my other siblings. So I don't think they're bad parents. I think it's just a traditional way of raising their kids that they need to break. They need to break that generational thing. Um, but so during that time, I was acting out. I was called bipolar. I was called crazy. People just treated me like I was this mental ill person. I was told that I needed medicine. I was told that something was wrong with me. And I started to believe that something was really wrong with me. I started to accept the fact that I am bipolar. There is mentally something wrong with me. 
Um, and I also began to beat myself up and blame myself for the things that had happened to me um, as a child. So after beating myself up and just blaming myself, um, I became depressed, suicidal. Um, I was suicidal probably from being 11 years old all the way up until um, after high school. Um, So I graduated at 17. So around the time I hit 19 years old, something else um, happened where I had to speak up. Because at this point, it was like, girl, if you stay silent any longer, there's going to be another, you know, young girl in the family that's going to be affected by this. They're going to be traumatized by this. And it did happen. Um, so I went to my family and I told my family what had happened. I told them about what had taken place. I had... um I told them because I realized it was happening to someone else. And then I found out it had happened to many other girls in the family, like my older sister and my oldest cousins. So I, you know, at that point, I didn't realize I was breaking some type of cycle in my family. So um, after I told my mother, my mother broke down. She was legit, like, all over the place. She was... Because when a mother finds out something like that, it does break them. It, it it's not something you want to hear, and it's and it's so hard because then you realize it's someone in the family that's doing it. It makes it like it don't matter who does it. Just hearing that it breaks you. It makes you angry. It causes so many emotions, and you begin to blame yourself because you feel like as a parent you should have done more, or you know you should have been there to prevent it or you know you just blame yourself you beat yourself up for a little bit of everything and you basically say that you're at fault for what took place and that's not true that's not always true and so once she found that out um that day that night actually um it was a summer night back I'm not gonna tell y'all when because then y'all gonna figure out my age so it happened that summer night and so the next following day, because that night she had contacted um, the aunties in the family. She had contacted the female cousins in the family. And, you know, they gathered and said, hey, tomorrow we will have a meeting. Everybody meet up so and so such place, which was at my house. And so they brought him in. And, you know, you know, we sat around, we talked everybody trying to figure out what happened when did this happen what took place um that same night before my sister came in crying because she had I had told her what happened and she was like um you know she admitted like it happened to me too and then I got a phone call from my cousin saying it happened to me too so you know I had already kind of knew it happened but I didn't know it happened to them because that person that molested me would tell me um, I did it with so and such, so it's okay. So he had already embedded in my brain that it was okay for him to do this with me because other cousins had been involved in the same activity with him. Um, and as a child, you don't know that's not the right thing to do. You know, you're not really, you know, at seven years old, I'm like, okay, whatever, like, you know. But um, so back to that 
conversation we were all having. So we were having a conversation and, you know, we had one side of the room saying it was a lie or you should have said something when it happened. And the other side of the room was like, it happened. They saying it. And then he also admitted that he did it. He also admitted, but even after the fact of him admitting and days went by, we, you know, myself, my sister, my cousin, we're all um, told we were liars. We weren't telling the truth. And if it really happened, we should have spoke up um, immediately. But at seven years old, I was afraid. I was afraid to speak up. And in all honesty, I wanted to take this information to my grave. I wanted to die with this. I didn't want to let anyone know that this had happened to me. I wanted to die with this information. And so, um, I get a little emotional talking about it, but I'm not going to get emotional today. <laughs> so I, um, so, you know, hearing those things, you know, people walking around my family saying it didn't happen, you know, even when you have some of your siblings, you know, disowning you and saying you a liar or this didn't happen, you shouldn't have lied on him. And it's like, he admitted that he did it. So where am I a liar at? And, and even though he admitted it, you know, people still was going to feel how they felt. And it caused a division in the family. Um, you had those who would comfort us and make sure we're okay. We needed anything. Um, then you had those that was just like, it is what it is. It happened. Oh, well, get over it. <laughs> and then you had those in the family that was just like, it didn't happen at all. Like, I don't care if he said it, he, he did it. I don't care if Jesus came back and told me that he did it. I'm just not going to believe it. You know, and I'm so serious. Like, that's how they were acting. Like, I don't care. It is what it is. Like, I don't believe it. You know, <laughs> so I had to deal with so much feedback and negativity. And at that time I was in, uh, I think I was going to, I was in college. So it was like emotional. It was a lot happening in that year. Um, I believe around the same year I lost my sister, uh, I think my sister died that year, if I'm not mistaken. So it was a lot happening that year. It was just so much. And, you know, I thought if I told, um, things would get better, but it, it felt like things got worse. It felt like things got worse. Um, but what I didn't realize was things actually did get better because I had broke a generational, um, curse on my family. Um, uh, I had broke that, um, but I didn't realize that because I was so caught up into what people were saying about me or calling me a liar that I didn't see that. And so even after that, the situation was swept back under the rug. And this is why I talk about the silence of a black girl, because that situation once again was swept back under the rug and he was able to come around. Everybody act like nothing happened. No, nobody went to the law. Nothing like nothing happened. Nothing took place. But what really broke me down the worst was the fact that I had to, I was basically forced to forgive somebody who basically, you know, hurt me as a child. I was forced to forgive them that same day that the, so the night that I found out, well, not the night, the night that my mom found out what had happened the next day, the literally the next day, that next day I was told to just forgive him. And then the week after I was said, I was told again to just let it go and forgive. And it was just like, are you serious right now? Like, I just supposed to wake up and be like, oh, it's okay. It is what it is. It happened. And I, and I had so much hurt, pain, anger 
in me, it was just so many emotions running through me. And it was just like, people, people, I need you to understand that I'm hurting. I don't want to forgive. I don't want to talk about forgiveness. I can't forgive right now. I was angry. I was angry. And with these things happening in my life, it caused me as a young woman to do things as a young woman that a young woman should, shouldn't do. I started to accept certain behaviors from you know, people that I was in situationships, relationships with, um, it was a lot. And, you know, with me thinking that was okay, it was just a lot of stuff I, I knew I shouldn't have felt, but another thing of a silence of a black girl is fathers. I had two. I had an adoptive father and a biological father. And with having both of them, I still didn't feel protected. I felt, I felt like I had nothing. I had nothing. So that also caused certain behavior as well. Just not having, you know, my mother and my father, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything. I grew up in a strict home where, you know, when you grew up in a strict home, you became sneaky. You probably was the most sneakiest person in the world. Sneaky kids are the kids that come from strict homes. I say that. That's just me. That's my opinion. That's what I think. (laughs) But I was. And you know, going through all of that, like, it was guys who would see that hurt. They would see that pain. They, some people knew what I went through. I was dating this guy for, um, two years, um, in high school, two years. And I mean, we confided in each other. Like we were best friends. That's what we did. And, you know, as soon as we broke up, because I think he wasn't graduating once again. And I was just, I can't, something happened. Like he just started acting different and he knew about me being molested at seven to 11 years old. And, you know, when it came to having sex, I didn't want to lose my virginity. I didn't want to have sex with anybody because I knew what that pain felt like. I knew what you know, what that felt like. I didn't want to go through that again. I was kind of like traumatized by it. So he would say, let's do it. But I'm like, I don't want to. And even when we tried, I was like, oh my God, no, I will literally have flashbacks. I would want to fight. I had anger at me. Like it was anger. It was hurt. It was like all these emotions. And so once we broke up, he, he started to like say things. And one thing that really just, broke me completely is when he told me, he posted something on social media at the time he was like um what did he say he said something about and that's why you can't have sex and and I was just like what really <laughs> you know and I'm not gonna lie because I, I loved him at you know some point so it hurt it hurt bad and you know with me being adopted a, a foster kid I knew my real parents. I always had a relationship with them. So he would throw up like, oh, and I took you to see a real dad. Like, dude, you didn't take me to see somebody I was already seeing. So it it was a lot of hurt with that. And I was accepting things from him and stuff like that. And it was just like, dang, like, I don't, <laughs> you know, I would think my father, you know, I wanted my father to be there to be like, hey, bro, like, look, but I didn't have that. And. I didn't really, even though I live with my dad, I really didn't have a relationship. I didn't see, I'm not saying that he's not a man. That's one thing I'm not, not saying. Um, but it was certain things he did and said to me too, that broke me. And I just turned around and forgave him even when he hurt me. 
um, he felt some type of way or he said things that hurt my feelings. And I felt like when I did get into relationships with guys, I allowed them to say what they wanted to say to me. It didn't matter because I ended up dating people that was mentally, physically, and emotionally abusive, like so bad. Like it was situations where I was at my point where I was just like, I was scared to walk away. And the only way that I knew how to walk away was to commit suicide. I was for sure that's what I wanted to do. I was for sure that's what I had to do. Because I was scared to say I I wanted to leave because I didn't want them to be angry with me. Because I knew what anger would cause. I knew what type of reactions I would get. Now, I wasn't no punk girl. I would fight. But a part of me just would be weak at times. A part of me would just be so weak and I would be so done fighting that I didn't care. I didn't care. I, I didn't mind being weak. It is what it is. That was me. And I was crying out for my mother. I was crying out for my father. But even then in relationships, you know, I got talked about like a dog um, saying, well, you know, you should have did this. You should have did that. And uh, it's just like gosh, like, dang, like, that goes back to what I say, in the community of our community, we beat each other down so bad, we beat, black women beat other black women down so bad, and a lot of times, even when I was trying to explain to people my struggles or my situation, going through mental, physical abuse, or emotional abuse, or being raped or molested, I was always put on silence that it didn't matter, or I should have did something to prevent this, or I should have went about it this way, or I should have said this, and it's just like, you don't really know what a person, you can't really speak on a situation until you've been there, you can't tell a woman how to react, or what she should have did, and you can't tell a young woman who was only seven years old, well, this is what you should have did, and this is how you should have did it, when I was scared, I was terrified. At seven years old, I'm being told that I was going to get in trouble if I told anybody. So imagine me at seven years old, a child. I heard people tell me or Facebook comments say, oh, well, you should have did this or you should have did like that. Or maybe you should have spoke up or what you scared of. And it's just like, first of all, anybody at seven years old being told they're going to get in trouble. And, you know, when you get in trouble, some of us got whoopings as kids. We didn't want no whooping. I definitely didn't because, I look, my mom didn't play. I didn't want no whooping. So I was told, and, and this is his words, if you tell anybody you're going to get in trouble and do you want to get in trouble, I said no. He said, well, if you go and tell about anything that we're doing, you're going to get in trouble. And it was like why would I get in trouble? You know, once I got old, I was like, why would I get in trouble when he was the one doing it? But that's the type of psychological things that a child molester or whoever, this is what they do. This is what they do. And even after telling people my story and just in my family, it was just like I was silenced. And still to this day, everything is like peaches and cream with them. It never happened. It don't exist. A year or two later, it doesn't exist. It never happened. The first thing they'll tell my mother when she expressed how she felt, you and your family need to go get counseling. Y'all need to go seek help. Y'all need to go get help. And it's just like, no, actually, he and his family need to go get help because y'all send, y'all need to go help, get help. 
Because if you can sit around here and watch people on TV get molested and raped and you have a whole big opinion about it, it's not right. People shouldn't do that. But you're sitting around somebody who already done it in your family. You need to go get help. You need to go get checked out. You need a mental evaluation because ain't no way you can sit here and judge somebody else for the same thing that your relative that you're sitting next to did. No way. No way. So I was silenced. I was silenced for so long. I was silenced. It was time. I I couldn't. I felt so weak. I felt so weak. I felt so weak. And during that time I felt weak, I felt alone. I felt like there was nobody else going through this, like this stuff I was going through. Like growing up, like my mom was very strict and she always tried to protect us from the outside world. But I don't think that my mother was a bad person. I don't blame her for any of this, but I really don't believe that intentionally she, you know, she knew because she didn't. Um, She was so busy trying to protect us from the outside world. I will say that, that she didn't you know, see that the people that she needed to protect us from was the people that was around us, meaning inside the home or inside of our family, which was cousins and so on, so on. So, you know, to parents, you have to pay attention to certain behavior and signs. You know, if your child is like telling you, hey, I don't want to be with this person, I don't want to go with this person, and they just not too fond of that person, take heed to that, you know. Um, but a lot of black girls have been silenced and I have watched this for years and it breaks my heart because as black women, we need each other. We need to stick together. And as women, period, black, brown, yellow, blue, look, look, we have to stick together because nobody listens to us. They don't listen to us. And when we say things like we've been molested and raped, Oh, well, you should have wore something better or you should never wear a skirt. Then maybe you will never get raped. Or maybe if you wear your hair a certain way, he won't look at you or flirt with you or want to touch on you. Like it's so many different reasons until why we shouldn't have been raped or what we should have did to prevent this. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And it happens so often in a black community because growing up, I was told, well, you can't wear certain stuff around men, like grown men. Like when we have parties, I might put on some kitty shorts or something and I have to go in and put on some long pants. And it's like, I shouldn't even have to change from going into shorts that everybody wears a kid and go put on some long pants because grown men don't know not to look at children. Or certain dances I would do that I didn't know that I couldn't do um, were considered inappropriate. And you can't dance around grown men because, yeah. But it's like, shouldn't these grown men not be looking at kids and sexualizing children? Like, are you serious right now? And and, and that's what we're taught at black, like little black girls. We are taught that at a young age, you better put on this. You got to wear this so that you won't be looked at or you won't be touched. At 11 and 12, I was very developed. Like I looked older than my age and my mother, you know, she was protective over me specifically because I developed quicker than most other girls. I had a big old butt. I had big old breasts. Um, I didn't look. 12 and 11 in the face like I just was a mature looking girl I always had my hair done like my mom made sure my hair was done so I I look good for my age I look like a you know an older girl and so there were 
men that were looking at me. So I understood that standpoint of her trying to protect me, you know, letting it be known. And some, and then you had some men that already knew, but they didn't care. I have been, I have been approached by men from my childhood that would text me on Facebook, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and say, I've been waiting for you to get to your, you know, when I turned 18, you know, a lot of people that I was around or hung out with were, they would inbox me and say, you know, I've been, you know, interested in you for a while. And I'm like, nigga, you and yo, you know, excuse my language, but nigga, you and yo thirties almost. And you trying to holler at me. So that mean that when I was a minor, you feel me? Like you was checking me out. Like, you know, some dudes I didn't even see the last time I seen them, I was like 13, 14. So that mean you was really checking me out when I was in like the eighth grade. You a creep. You a creep. You a creep. You a creep. And you you need you really need to go go somewhere and sit down and go get mental help. And 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 you you need to go somewhere. <laughs> like for real. Like I'm telling y'all, this that's how I <laughs> This is, this is reality. This was reality for me. This was my life. Grown men till this day that would say, I couldn't wait till you turn 21 or 18. Majority of them hit me up when I was 18. It was dudes in their 30s talking to me at 17 and 16, which I didn't even realize what was happening that was so wrong about it because I had already at that time, I had been forced to grow up anyway. I was forced to be. I was forced to be a grown woman at a young age. It was certain things I had to experience that forced, I didn't get to have a childhood. So in my mind, I didn't see anything really wrong with it until, you know, I did start getting help and I did start, my eyes began to open. I realized these men were actually, you know, pedophiles. They are pedophiles because that means when you was a child, they were, you know, eyeing you. Some men would tell me I couldn't wait to do X, Y, and Z to you. They was they was fantasizing about me. One, they talking sexual. What they would have did to me sexually, that mean that you you were talking about you was gonna molest me, rape me, cause that that's what that is. I had one guy tell me cause he he had seen me like two three years prior to my 18th birthday, and. And he was like, when I first saw you, I wanted to do all of this stuff to you. That I'm like, and when I finally, you know, got older and I, my eyes finally opened, I realized how sick and disturbing it is. How sick and disturbing that is. In my eyes, I didn't see nothing wrong with it because, you know, growing up being molested by somebody that was in almost their 30s, you know, it hit different. And so, uh, it's just a lot of things. And even as a kid, I have watched people that saw grown men would look at me and they would turn their eyes the other way. And these same grown men that y'all ignored was the same grown men in my inbox at 18 and 21 years old trying to holler at me, trying to get to know me. You know, even now being a grown woman, you know. A part of me, like I said, I never got to be a child. I never got to experience my childhood properly because at, at that time I was being touched on, being 
forced to have sex with somebody and I, I I'm I'm not enjoying my childhood. I hated my childhood. I'm not gonna sit here in front like, you know, I I liked it. Yeah, all days wasn't bad, but all days wasn't good either. So I had my ups and downs with my childhood. And so being older, I wanted to be a child. I wanted to be that child. I wanted to and and I just like I said, I just wanted to be a big old kid because I didn't get to enjoy my childhood. So when I, you know, became that adult, when I hit 18, 19, 20, but when I got deeper into my age, it was just like, I was looking at people with the side. I like, I had men in their fifties trying to hit on me. And I'm just like, dude, leave me alone. You know, and in, 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 in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm still a child, that child that's scared that, you know, men is looking at me. And I'm just like, no, don't look at me. And a lot of people feel like, um, you know, because I date women, that's a reason why I date women. And that's not always technically true with people, uh, with people of the LGBTQ. Some people haven't even never, like never in their life been touched, never been molested, none of that stuff. And they still find love in the same sex. In my case, that was not technically it, but it did play a part in it. But I have had men in my life. I have dated guys. And even though I wasn't fully interested in them, you know, it is what it is. It did play a part at some point, but it didn't play a huge part. I just like what I like. So I'm going to clear that up now because a lot of people do ask me that. And a lot of people do assume that that I'm gay because of or uh, I'm a lesbian because of what happened to me in my childhood. Not technically true. Uh, so let me clear that up right now. But I will say this. A lot of women, a lot of young girls today... Like, you know, uh, two years ago, I was helping find missing girls. And um, the thing that stood out most, a lot of these girls have been ignored. Their situations is silenced because everybody just thinks they're so fast, they're so grown, and they're out of control, and they just want to do what they want to do. But a lot of these girls are crying out for help. They're crying out for somebody to listen to them because they're nobody see it. So they're trying to give you a hint. You're not paying attention to that. So they acting out to show you, Hey, something is going on. And a lot of these girls run away because there's nobody listening. And then when people do start to listen, they discredit what they're saying. They tell them they're lying. They're not telling the truth and that they story really mean nothing. What they're saying mean nothing. Like, how do you think that make them feel? They asking you to listen. Then you, when you finally start to listen to them, you begin to just reject them and everything that's coming out their mouth. So I have, I know what that feel like. I know that, you know, that pain of when somebody finally, you finally get them to hear you and they not, they don't hear you. They ignore you. So a lot of black girls are being silenced every day. And y'all look at these, these fast girls, what you call them. Y'all look at them and call them fast. You call them thoughts. You call them all these names, but you don't understand their situation and what type of environment they live in. A lot of these girls live in environments where they have to, just like myself, they have to grow up and be you know, they have to grow real, real early. A lot of girls are growing up real, real early because they have no other choice because of where they come from and what type of um, situations is happening in their household. They have to. They have no other choice but to. And and when you sit here and judge people and not know their story, you look mighty crazy. You look very silly. You look very silly. And, <laughs> but hey, I, I've been told this many times. When you assume, you look like an ass. And that's what more majority of you guys are like asses. Because you really don't know a person's situation. And even with young men, a lot of young men, and I know I'm basing this on just young girls, but a lot of young men are silenced too because they feel like we have this thing in um, our black community that, you know, black boys, like uh, when somebody touch you, especially a woman, you should just accept it. But in all honesty, that's tra traumatizing because at 11 years old, you have a grown woman on this boy um, having sex with him and, um, 
doing all these sexual acts on him. And then you have them where it's grown men touching them. But in the back of their mind, if they tell you that a grown man touched them, y'all automatically label them as gay or a fag or a sissy. And they can't speak up on that, but it also affects them. So a lot of a lot of things in our black community, a lot of girls and boys are being silenced every day because of what society says or what people say or what people think of them. And let me tell you to those that's listening to me, I don't care what society say. You're not gay because you're speaking up about some man touching you you're not a punk you're not scared you're not weak you're not none of this stuff because young men i'm talking to you just because a woman touched you at 11 and and you didn't like it and you told on her that does not make you weak you are doing the right thing because no person no grown woman is supposed to have sex with any child no grown man is supposed to have sex with any child none of that that's not okay it's not okay and i don't want you to feel like you know, you have to just hide these things from the world. It's people like myself. It's people out here that want to help you get through these things. Let me tell you something. You need to talk about it. You need to vent. I'm right here. I'm here. I have a whole church family that backs me, baby. They backs me. They support me. They pray pray me through it. And we can do the same thing for you. Because I'm so tired of these type of situations being covered up in the black community. It's sickening. It's not okay. And I don't know who put this in y'all head that it's okay. It's not. It took me a long time to get over this. I was traumatized. I was scared even with my uh, you, my kids. Like, I'm scared of who they go with, who they around. I, You know, even though they my sister kids, but they my kids too. I tell her, like, they can't go here. They can't go there. You need to monitor this person, see what they about. You need to get all the information. Like, I'm overprotective because I... You know, even with their own family, I'm protective about which family member they go with, which family member they kicking with, who kids they hang around. Like, you know, I'm I that's just me because I try not to be that parent, but you have to be that parent. And it and it go it does have a reason. The reason why I act like that, it does goes back to my childhood. It does. It does what I went through because it was certain things my mother didn't, you know, she didn't pay attention to or she just didn't, you know, her eyes wasn't fully open. And now, you know, I know that. So being an auntie, a parent, I'm, I'm look, I'm trying to do everything that she didn't do for my kids. So things that they not, you know, I, I pay attention to everything. I pay attention to it all. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. So, you know, I'm just, all I'm saying to people is pay attention to the signs. Um, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to get help. You do not have to stay silent. I don't, I don't care what they saying. I don't care who don't believe you. Don't stay silent. This not about them. It's about you. It's about your healing. It's about your freedom. At the end of the day, it's not about them. It's about your healing. Break those chains. Speak up. It's okay to speak up. It's okay to speak up. Don't let these people... Do not let these people break you. Do not let these people make you feel weak. Don't let them make you feel small. Don't make you don't let them make you feel guilty for something somebody else did to you. Because you're not wrong. It's not your fault. It was never your fault. And I want you to hear me, young boy, young lady, it young girl, young woman, young man, young gentleman. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's okay to get help. It's okay to speak about it. It's not your fault. You need somebody to listen. I'm here to listen. No, it's not your fault. Just know it's not your fault. 
I beat myself up so many times because I thought it was my fault. I thought I had, I tried to think about all the things I did. What did I do for this person to do this to me? But it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was nothing I did. It was nothing I did to make them do this. They did it because they wanted to do it. Because there's something inside of them they need to be healed from, delivered from. It's something inside of them they need to get help for. It's not my fault. And it's not your fault. Ladies, that's an abusive relationship, whether it's physical, mentally, emotional, it's still not your fault. When he or she say, and even young men, when he or she say or react a certain way because what you didn't, you know, put the fork in the sink, it's still not your fault. The The reason why they're angry ain't got nothing to do with you. That's something from their past, their childhood, some trauma they got to deal with. It don't got nothing to do with you. But let me tell you something. You don't have to stay in that situation. You don't have to stay in that predicament. You can get up and you can leave. You can get up and you can leave. I had to come to that decision too when I was in a emotional and mental uh, um, abusive relationship. Um... I had to just get up one day. I was just like, I'm done doing this. Um, I'm, look, it was killing me. Seriously. Like physically it was killing me. I was dying. And I woke up one day and I was just, it's not my fault. He is the way he is. Not because of me, because even if I decide to walk away today, and this is how I decided if I decide to walk away today, he's still going to do the same thing to somebody else. And it might be worse. But I'm not going to see the worst, so I had to leave. I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my future. And I knew if I stayed with this person, I knew I wouldn't have a future. I probably would never see where God was going to take me. It's okay to leave these situations. You do not have to stay. If you can't walk away by yourself, you scared. Baby, look, like I said, I'm here. I got some people that's going to ride for you because I'm going to ride for you. You don't have to stay in these situations. And don't let nobody put you on silent. Uh, let me tell you something. And listen to y'all kids. Parents, listen to y'all kids. I tell people like this. If my child, came, one of my babies came to me and say, hey, this person did this to me, they going to be guilty until proven otherwise. I'm going to treat you like you're guilty. I'm going to take my child word over anything. And a lot of times, a, a lot of people don't speak up. It's, it's because growing up, their parents just silenced them because I don't believe it is what it is. Like, I ain't trying to hit it. Don't create those type of, don't create those type of environments in your home because when you create those environments, then when something truly happened and you don't know why your kids committed suicide, it's because you didn't create a space where they can come talk to you without you being judgmental, without you rejecting what they feel and what they're saying. Create safe environments for your kids so they can be able to come to you whenever something happens and tell you what happened so that you as a parent can handle the situation. You, we have to, as black parents, create safe environments for our kids. Don't do your kids how your mama and daddy did you. Get them better. Give them better.
We will not have any more silence black girls or silence black boys. We as a black community have to break that cycle immediately. Teach your kids. If somebody tell you you're going to get in trouble for telling, you know you're not. No, you're not. And don't scold your kid. And let me tell you another thing what I saw too. When black young men or women say, oh, somebody, I have seen this. And and people have come to me and say, I told them that I was being molested and they got a whooping for it. Don't be that parent. Don't be that parent. Because right when they tell you that, that's when as a parent, you need to comfort them. You need to be there. You need to pray with them. And let me tell you another thing. It's okay to get help. If you don't know how to handle the situation, seek help. Professional help. Spiritual help. From your, if you go to church, your pastor or a leader in the church. Seek the help. And do not force your kids to forgive. Don't force your kids to forgive. Even after they tell you the situation, do not force them. Don't do that. That's, I think that, that was also traumatizing for me having to forgive somebody. And I didn't mean it, but having to forgive and act like everything was okay when it wasn't. It traumatized me because in that moment I was angry and I knew what I was capable of doing. And I had to sit there and forgive somebody and all I seen was red. That's traumatizing too. I don't care what nobody say. That's traumatizing. That I have to forgive the, all these people that hurt me. Forcing me to forgive all these people that hurt me. Not on my own time, but on your time? No. No, ma'am. Seek help. Break the silence. Stop sweeping things under the rug. It's time that we stop doing that. It's time that we stop doing that because we have a generation coming up and this world right now is so crazy. It is. It's so crazy. But we have this young generation coming up right now and they need us more than ever. They need us more than ever. And we have to create these spaces where they can talk, where the silence is broken, where they don't feel like their voice won't be heard because it will. It will. So to my all my black girls who have been silenced, to all my black boys who have been silenced, no more. No more. Rip that tape off your mouth. Open your mouth and speak up. It's not your fault. It was never your fault. And it's okay to tell somebody it's okay to get help. Silence no more. With all that being said, I want to thank everyone for tuning in with me. I know this subject was a little touchy, but I thank you all for joining me and tuning in. Make sure you share this podcast. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell everybody, tell them, come over to talk your talk and let's talk our talk. Let's discuss it. If you have a topic you want to talk about or you want to join me and be my guest or you got a juicy letter you want to send, you can send that all to my email at Talk Your Talk Radio. Now, when it comes to the letters, you don't have to put your real name. It can be anonymous. So make sure, once again, you send that to Talk Your Talk Radio at gmail.com. That's T-A- <laughs> T-A-L-K 
Y-O-T-A-L-K radio at gmail.com. Listen, I am super excited about the things that is coming next week. So stay tuned for the podcast because we will be coming back, boo. We got some more stuff to talk about. We ain't scary over here. We gonna speak it. <laughs> Ain't no sensor or nothing over here. We gonna speak it, honey. But I thank you guys once again. Make sure you tell your children. Teach your children to speak up. Don't stay silent. Let's break these chains. Let's break these generational um, curses in our families. Let's just break all of this stuff so the generation behind us can be able to speak up and tell somebody and don't be afraid and just let that sit because we want to be able to save them. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in. You guys follow me on Facebook at Arthur Yada Rose. I am tuning out. God bless. Peace. Deuces.